What's up, guys? Tino Patino here, and welcome into the first episode of the Tino Patino Here podcast. First off, if you're listening or watching this right now, thank you. It gives me extra hype just knowing there's someone potentially out there that could be tuning in right now. This show has both an audio and a visual element to it, so if you're only listening right now, that's okay. I'm wearing a gold jacket, I got a mullet, and a mustache. It's kind of my signature look. Since this is the first episode ever, I'll introduce myself fully. My name is Tino Patino III. Yes, it rhymes, and I'm currently based on Long Island, New York. I'm a content creator for social media, a racing analyst for NASCAR and motorsports, and I guess we can also throw on podcaster to that list too. So that's huge. If you'd like more insight into what I'm about, feel free to follow me on social media at Tino Patino. The spelling is all over this podcast, and yes, the G is silent like real G's and lasagna. Now that you know the who, it's time for the what. What is the Tino Patino Here podcast? The Tino Patino Here podcast is a sports media entertainment service for you. Hosted by me, Tino Patino 3, the show has both an audio and a visual element designed for any type of listener. There is a primary focus on the NASCAR and motorsports industry, supplemented with weekly segments including NBA analysis with our NBA analyst, Noah Kokinos, trending sports talks and breakdowns including sports betting and fantasy amongst NFL, MLB, NHL, and more, fans and correspondents, as well as interviews and conversations with special guests. There's also some things I'd love to discuss about the pond as a whole. I wrote some notes down for you guys here, so let's talk about them now. First off, I'm open to any suggestions, comments, or ideas of any kind that you may have. You can comment it down below, and I'll be sure to get back to you, or direct message me across social media, and I'd love to talk further and make this podcast the best it can be for you and me as a whole. I have done a podcast before, but nothing of this magnitude. I always had a vision and a dream about when I made this show that it would have the quality, the equipment, the guests, the graphics that was fully needed in order to make it a success or at least start somewhere. And I feel like we're in this position now. I'm all in. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to bring you guys the best possible content and quality there is. So now that we're talking about it here, I guess all that's left to say is green, 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 which in NASCAR means go. Now you may be wondering if you'll have to listen to my sweet voice all throughout the entire show, and the answer to that is no. I briefly mentioned it before in the podcast bio, but we will be having at least three different segments throughout the entire show. So each week you can expect one, a NASCAR segment brought to you by myself. The season is about a month away now. I couldn't be more excited to give you race analysis, previews, recaps, betting breakdowns, and especially reactions to the new NASCAR Netflix special, Full Speed, which premieres on January 30th, all that and much more. The second weekly segment will feature Noah Kokinos as the official NBA analyst of the Tino Patino Here podcast. And that's a great one because whether you know ball like he does or you're more of a casual fan like me, or even if you're just trying to learn about the game for the first time, he will break down everything that's going on throughout the league. We'll ask questions about it. We'll get both sides of the court there and we'll be sure to dive right into the NBA. And the third will be a Focus on trending sports as of right now. That'd be the NFL, which could feature betting analysis for games or discussion about what's happening before or after. It's also my goal to have an interview for a special guest each week. And once we get into the groove of things here and move on, it'll most likely be within the motorsports industry since that's our niche. 
But hey, we'll see where the wind takes us. So I think I've talked long enough now about the state of the Tino Potato Here podcast. Thanks so much again if you're tuning in or listening right now. It means a lot to me. And I forgot to mention, we have a sick jingle in between uh, segments here. And if you heard it in the intro, you're about to hear it again. So without further ado... The moment we've all been waiting for is here. Welcome to On Court with Coco. Noah Coquino's joining us now on the Tino Patino Here podcast. And I couldn't be more excited because Noah is not only one of my best buds in the whole entire world, but he is the best NBA analyst I've ever met. And he is the official NBA analyst of the Tino Patino Here podcast. He's going to be joining us weekly, breaking down ball because no one knows ball better than this guy right here. So, Noah, how are you good? How are you doing? How's it going? I'm doing great. Yeah, we had some pretty terrible games last night but we're looking forward to the future we've got some great stuff to talk about today Uh, i'm happy to be here thank you for having me on here and i'm just i'm ready to talk some ball let's go let's talk some ball first up a little bit more about you since it's the first episode let's get the viewers let's get the listeners uh, a little bit behind the scenes of coco what are you about? How long have you been, you been balling out for? Uh, and you got a channel of your own, The Split Cut, talking to us about your show a little bit and where they can find you at there. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I couldn't even – I've been playing basketball for a while. Uh, I didn't really become a fan of the NBA until maybe around, like, 2018, 2019. So uh, I'm kind of new to the whole analyzing everything and all that, but I, I really love the on-the-court stuff. The off-the-court stuff is fun, too. So I, mean, I try to get a little bit of everything in my work. And um, again, like you said, you can find me on uh, YouTube at The Split Cut. Uh, I try my best to post at least every couple of days, which is game breakdowns, breaking down you know, players, how they're playing, why they're playing so well. Uh, every now and then I'll drop some videos, just kind of me ranting about certain topics that get me stressed or upset or happy. And uh yeah, I just I I've really enjoyed the NBA. It's one of my favorite things in life. So I'm just on a journey to try to learn more and more about it, and I'm trying to bring my audience with me on that journey. Awesome, and I think no, one of the favorite parts about not only our friendship, <laughs> but this segment on the pod for me is I'm a casual NBA fan. I turn on ESPN, I check the scores every now and then, maybe I throw a little bit of money on the games. But for you, you're someone who lives and breathes ball. And to me, that's important because not only, you know, for instance, like with me and the NASCAR stuff, if, I, if you ever need any NASCAR knowledge, I got you. And I know it's the same with basketball for you, whether it's any sort of hoops, WNBA, NBA, college hoops, whatever it may be. I know you know ball. And to me, that's so important because this podcast, it could be for anyone, whether they're a NASCAR fan, NBA fan, NFL fan, or just a fan of podcasts in general and listening and tuning into some entertainment. Um, I think that's awesome because this is going to be something where we learn each and every week. At least I learn from you and you drop some knowledge about different teams, different odds on how the players are doing, MVP race, awards, NBA memes, I think they are the best memes out there on Twitter, X, all that. Yeah, they got to be the best. NBA Twitter, if you just take a dive into that, it might be scary at first, but you're certain for a laugh at some point. It's awesome. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I couldn't be more excited to get on this journey. First episode, we're only going to get better from here. And that's a little bit what this segment's going to be about. We're going to bring on Noah every week, and we're going to talk ball, and he's going to – I mean, I already feel like I'm learning – 
so much and we haven't even started. So first off, let's start off with the state of the teams right now. I mean, one of the biggest things that I've seen, you know, as just a casual NBA fan, like I mentioned, tune in every once in a while, but I don't know the intricate details. I don't know why someone like the Golden State Warriors are not doing good. Obviously, I've seen the Draymond Green stuff, punch some guys in the face, do a little 360 there. Dirty player for sure, but he's been suspended a little bit. Steph can't carry them. Clay is washed. Aside from that, why are the Warriors struggling as much as they are right now? Yeah, so I think the important thing to note here is, um, you know, we talked about this Warriors dynasty, and it, it is crazy to think about. It, it, we're almost at 10 years now that they have been a great team since they broke out in that 2015 season. And it, it just, it's just, everything's not meant to last. It's all coming going to crash down at some point. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with the Warriors. You know, Steph, he's still playing on all-NBA level. He's someone who can still go get you 30, 40, even 50 points. He's definitely not the issue on this team right now. But as you mentioned, guys like Draymond, Klay Thompson, they're the ones that are really not playing up to their standards. Uh, um, Draymond can't even stay on the court because he's too busy fighting people and throwing elbows and punches. And, you know, who knows what his return is going to be like. I know he's, he's supposed to be coming back any day now. He's just ramping up at practice. Um, and I, I think oh, his, his return will be key because the main thing that the Warriors are having issues with this season is their defense. They really just can't defend anybody. And Draymond's a big part of that. He's been their defensive anchor the entire time that he has been a part of this team. They've also been without Gary Payton II for a while as well. He's only played 16 games. He recently came back and got hurt again. So he is a very key player for them in defending other teams' uh, best guards. So those are two really big misses on that end of the court. In addition to that, Andrew Wiggins, another guy that's supposed to be a good defender for them, is having statistically the worst season of his career, and that is including his rookie season when he was only 19 years old, which, for reference, he's now 28 and should be in his prime, and yet, again, just having his worst season of his entire career. His basketball reference page, if you want to take a quick look at that, it's like a horror movie. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, you already mentioned Clay. Him too. He's having, considering the fact that he came back from ACL and Achilles injuries and was actually not that bad of a player when he first came back freshly off those injuries. He had a decent season and following season after that. But then this year, it just completely lost all sense of ability to, you know, defend and shoot the ball well, which, yeah, he's 33. So that, in that case, he might generally just be a washed player at this point. But I kind of refuse to believe that. You know, overall, the vibes in Golden State are just terrible. Steve Kerr is losing control more and more of this team every day. He has the issue of the young guys with Kaminga, Moody, Pajemski, because they're all playing great. But at the same time, they're 21, 20 years old, and you can't rely on those guys to save your season. So with that being said, with the young guys mixing them in with the older guys, right? I don't want to call them like old, but because really Clay Thompson they are 33, old in, in right? NBA terms. Yeah, in NBA yeah. terms. Okay, okay, so that's fair. Um, is that why they're aside from all the injuries, right? Because you just listed almost what four, five, six players that have been out or struggling or along those lines there. But I mean, to that standpoint, is it is that a bad mix having the old guys with the young guys? I feel like that's what you want to have and for a good NBA roster, right? The vets teaching the young guys and especially with Steve Kerr being the legendary coach he is. I mean, 
why can't they rally around and turn turn this thing around right now? So yeah, most NBA teams try to have a good balance of young and old on their team because you know you want to have young guys with talent that can then learn from the veterans and go on to become hopefully better players than the veterans were. But in this case, it's different because, again, this is a dynasty that has been a core between Steph, Draymond, and Clay for almost a decade now. Actually, I mean, they've been together for over a decade now. But when you now have these young guys who, you know, in my opinion, Moses Moody has been just as impactful as someone like Clay Thompson. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga has been just as impactful, if not better, than Andrew Wiggins this season. But in my in my opinion, Steve Kerr is just relying uh, too much on what the veterans have done in recent years because you know they they, they did just win a championship back in 2022, two seasons ago, uh, and it's generally the same core. They lost Jordan Poole, they brought on Chris Paul, but yeah, I don't know. It just the, at some point the veterans have to give some leeway to the young guys to go out and perform. And that's just something that the Warriors haven't been dealing with well in this in this year. One last thing about the Warriors there, or I guess maybe a couple. One, I mean, you mentioned CP3. That's something I honestly forgot about was and like him being <laughs> on the Warriors, which is crazy to think. Like with us being, uh, I mean, I've been following the NBA for the last I don't know ten or so years. You know, the LeBron in Miami and all that. You know, in twenty twelve, I feel like is when I really started um tuning in and stuff like that so to see cb3 you know on the clippers and then on the thunder and everywhere where he was like for him now to be on the warriors which it seemed like he hates <laughs> hated them uh at, at one point and, and you know that meme when he's like laughing at steve kerr and then he goes straight face like that's hilarious yeah, yeah. to me i feel like he's worked pretty well with them but i mean wh- what are your thoughts on cb3 with the warriors uh so far this season yeah chris paul has been a good fit when he's on the court uh i I was a part of the side of the argument that thought he would fit well, just because Chris Paul is someone you could pretty much throw on any team and they're going to be better for it. Um, a lot of people like to hate on Chris Paul because of some of his antics on the court or the fact that he's just really old at this point and not the player that he used to be, but he's still a winning player. And when he has been healthy, he's been good for this team because he disperses the ball he definitely helped Kaminga uh, get a bit of a leap at the start of the season, but he just broke his hand, so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks at the very oh, least. I which, didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's going to throw wow. an even bigger wrench into this Golden State team because that's just another veteran that they're not going to have on the court. And uh, he's a veteran that actually you know helps the younger players as opposed to someone like Draymond who maybe isn't you know as good at that role as Chris Paul is. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Draymond's the more, you know, punch the young players in the face type of role. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think one last thing with them, as they sit right now, the Golden State Warriors, I believe they're out of playoff contention right now. They're 12th in the West, yeah. 12th in the West. Just right now, just this week, first week, uh, first time we mentioned them here. uh, Do you think playoffs are, you know, uh, in the the vision for them? What's that look? I mean, obviously right now they are down, down, uh, spiral going on right now, but what are your thoughts on the playoff outlook for the Warriors? Because someone like me, right? Like, I'm like, oh, it's the Warriors. They got to make the playoffs, but it might not happen, right? Yeah, there's definitely, if there's something I have learned in my years of watching the NBA is I just don't really like to bet against Steph Curry. Uh, that's what, it, it burned me and a lot of other people back when they won the championship in 2022 
because a lot of people did not believe in them. But I, you know, it's two years later. I think there are way more issues going on right now, and the Western Conference is just way more stacked. I, I remember the start of the season, there were eleven teams that people considered to be playoff or you know locks for the playoffs or the playing games because you can only get ten teams total now, and with the Warriors looking on the outside in at 12th and they don't really have any you know, signs of life coming unless they make a big trade to the deadline. I just, it's not looking good. The Boston Celtics. Noah, I mean, that's your team. We got, we got to put it out there first. Yeah. You're a Celtics fan. My team. They, yeah. As your team, how are they doing? I mean, I know they're, they're hot at home. I turn on ESPN, right? And they're undefeated at home and then they play the Bucks and they get blown out. Uh, that was yesterday at the time of this recording. So, Give us the breakdown on the Celtics. Yeah, I, the game last night, it, it didn't bother me that much. You know, game in Milwaukee, easily could have been a game we lost. It just so happened that we were down by 40 and ended up losing by like 30. So, you know, that, that's just one you sweep under the rug and move on to the next one. But, yeah, I also say that because across the entire season, Celtics are best team in the league so far, 29-9. and nine. Only team that has yet to hit 10 losses on the season. Uh, other stats I can throw at you. They are third in offensive rating season long, fourth in defensive rating, first in net rating. They have the best margin of victory in the entire NBA, which essentially just means that, you know, their average winning margin is the best in the entire league. Um, you know, from there, Jason Tatum still playing at an MVP level. Jalen Brown playing some of the best basketball of his entire career, which, you know, if you look at his stats, you might disagree with that. But if you actually watch him play the game, as someone who has watched plenty of Boston Celtics basketball over the years, it's very easy to see. He's not turning the ball over as much. He's actually making good decisions on the court. He's playing great defense. And those are all things that Celtics fans have been asking from him for years now. So that's great to see. Uh, the additions of Christoph Porzingis, Drew Holiday have done wonders for this team. The big issue that I think everyone can agree on with the Celtics is they're a great team. But late in games, at the end of fourth quarters, their offense could get really terrible and slow and monotonous. And Christoph Sorzingis has done a lot to help fix those issues. It's not solved yet. It still is an issue. But again, Porzingis has done wonders in helping them in that area. Uh, Derek White, again, I'll mention Drew Holiday again. Best defensive backcourt in the league. If you uh, are on NBA Twitter, you might have seen Derek White's dad, Richard White, tweeting through games live, and he is the biggest you know, supporter of Derek White, and it's awesome to see. Uh, he has this thing called the Stock Exchange, where every time Derek White or Drew Holiday gets a steal or a block, he tweets out this gif and uh, about the Stock Exchange. It, it's really fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Good to see just from a you know, personality standpoint. I mean, yeah, Celtics have just playing some, have been playing some dominant basketball. And again, as a Celtics fan, it's really enjoyable to watch. Awesome. Now, you know, I think going off that, that's sort of what you expect too, right? It's like they're they're at this point where they need to win. They actually made the moves, the trade. I didn't know how it was going to work with Marcus Smart leaving. He seemed like a piece, you know, a core piece of that core group there. But with them being now undefeated at home and one of the best team or the best team in the league right now. It seems like it's worked out for them a little bit. And I don't know, like from my perspective here, when I think of the Celtics, no shade, but I feel like they haven't been able to execute when it matters most in the playoffs. Right. Obviously we still got, you know, maybe a little more than half the season to go here, but 
I mean, is this the year? Does it look like the year right now? Uh, still early, but could they get it done and win the chip? Uh, yeah, I mean, every year for the past, like, two or three years has felt like the year. But if you ask any Celtics fan, I, I do think that they would agree that this year does feel a little more special than the rest because you know, in, in past seasons, we've, we've had the best record for, you know, a few days here and there. We've looked like the best team. I remember the the season with Ime Udoka, we were easily the best team statistically from January 1st on. So to now see that same sort of sentiment, but for the entire season up to this point, it does feel like the Celtics are the front runners, which is a good thing. But at the same time, if you're if you've been an NBA fan for quite some time, it, it does kind of feel rare that the front runners actually come out on top. There's a lot of pressure, like you mentioned. They are, um, you know, not the best at performing in the playoffs, which, yeah, it, it's it, I agree with, but also kind of disagree with because, you know, they've been to the conference finals, you know, like for the last five seasons or something like that. They've made it to the NBA finals once, and at some point, you would like to see them finally win one. And uh, so I won't disagree that they have been a bit lackluster in that area, but yeah, this year. Certainly feels like it could finally be the year that we see Banner 18. Okay, okay. And speaking of 18, they're 18 and 0 at home. Is that correct? Yes, 18 and 0, okay. at least at the time of this recording. So, right, right. I, I so thought the they were time... going to lose that Timberwolves game, but. And that's it. So, that's actually that's what sparked my interest in the Celtics for this week's episode here was because I tuned on into ESPN and watched that Timberwolves game where they won in overtime and Jason Tatum took over 45 points. And that to me, a lot of things they had to say about Jason Tatum becoming the player that he's sort of like should be right. Or like he's now reached to that level. And they're also saying for comparison, like, and on the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards is like molding himself to be that type of Jason Tatum level. But now he's a little bit like, he's too young, right? He's too young right now to be, uh, he just needs a couple more years to be where Jason Tatum's at right now. But I think that is important to note because Tatum, that's what everyone was saying, right? Like, oh, he's only 18. He's only 18 for the last five <laughs> years. Now he's yeah. finally like him. I feel like now he's finally not, you know, not but complete, completely uh, where you want him to be. Uh, is he in the MVP race at all or how's that going for him? He should be. Uh, I, he doesn't get as much love as some of the other top candidates uh, because I, they're all you know, great players at the top. I know we have the, um, we'll, be, we'll be getting to that a little later, but in my opinion, and you might call it bias, but Jason Tatum should at least be in the conversation at this point. Okay, okay. Tatum and Celtics right now going off, playing great basketball. Let's switch over to a team that is not, and this is something I'm super excited for. It's the Detroit Pistons, the state of the team for the Pistons. And the only thing that I can think of when I think Pistons is ass. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, no, but as a, as a casual fan, I don't understand why they're so bad. I think it's awesome and, and super fun to see the team continuously lose. I, I, you know, I have nothing against the Detroit Pistons, but it's just outrageous to see how many games they've lost so far this season. Can you break down why that's happening? I'll try to. Um, they're they're really they, they're really just a mystery. Like the, it, it's marvelous how bad an NBA team can be. I think people take it for granted that they could watch mediocre NBA teams play and not feel inspired. But to have a team be an actual NBA basketball team and to be this bad is pretty insane to think about. And 
Yeah, at the same time, I know Kate Cunningham had a post-game quote after, I want to say it was like somewhere when they were in like the 20s of their losing streak. And he said, you know, our, our record does not show how bad we are. And I actually agree with that to some extent. Like this team, they're currently 3-35, and but I don't think they are that bad in terms of an actual NBA team. They just had uh, some bad injury luck, too, that's gone into this terrible season. I know Kate Cunningham's going to be out for at least a week or so right now. They were missing Jalen Duren for quite some time. Bogdanovich missed some time. Um, I, outside of that, I think even like Alec Burks missed some time, which might not seem like a big name, but he's one of the best scorers on this team, which brings me to my next point that you know, this team is currently bottom three in offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating, which is just terrible in itself. If you actually look at the roster, they just don't have anyone that can score the ball, really, outside of Kate Cunningham and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who he himself is a tremendous scorer of the basketball. But when you only have a few guys that are capable of creating their own shot, you know, offense gets bogged down. There's not a lot of movement. It's a lot of iso ball. And guys who are not capable of scoring the ball are then trying to score the ball, and it just never looks pretty. So the thing about Monty Williams is in this offseason, this most previous offseason, he signed a contract, which at the time made him the uh, – it was basically the biggest contract for an NBA coach in NBA history. And it was – I want to say it was, at, it was at least four years that he signed for. So if the Pistons were to fire him at this point – they still have to pay him all that money. And it's not like the team is going to change overnight just by switching head coaches. So they're kind of, for better or worse, stuck with Monty Williams for now, which he's not the worst coach the league has ever seen. But, you know, he did mo- like his most recent stint was in Phoenix, which they were a good team. But at the same time, they had Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and a pretty stacked roster that helped him get there, which I'm not trying to take all the credit away from him. But Monty Williams had a lot of help in that coaching job. And you compare that scenario to this scenario in Detroit, where every player is 25 or younger outside of like three players. Um, Bogdanovich is 34, Alec Burks is 32, and Joe Harris is 32. Literally everyone else that has logged minutes for the Pistons this season is 25 or under. And that's just not a good recipe for winning basketball games. And um, at the same time, too, I've seen a lot of Pistons fans on my Twitter timeline. Uh, they've been very vocal this season, which is good for them because they have plenty of reasons to be mad about. And one thing that they are extremely mad about is the front office and ownership just refuse to make comments in the media or to the media throughout the season. Uh, they've made, like, I think they've had like one press conference across this entire season since their first game. And, yeah, if the ownership That's crazy. Is- Wait, hold up on that. Hold up on that real quick, if you don't mind. Are they just, so they're just not addressing the team's struggles? So they've only had that one like actual press conference and but they've had like, you know, smaller quotes here or there from like um I I if, I don't know if you've ever seen James Edwards on the timeline, but he's like the most prominent uh beat writer that I at least I'm aware of for the Pistons. So, like, they'll drop quotes to him every now and then about, um, you know, one thing that they've been talking about to him is, or like, trade rumors, which, you know, funny enough, the 3-35 and 35 Pistons are actually trying to be buyers at this trade deadline, which means that they're trying to acquire good talent rather than selling talent, which 
is questionable to a lot of people, but I, I kind of get where they're coming from because, like I mentioned, this is a really young roster, so they want to add a talented veteran to this team. It's just the issue with that is, you know, let's let's say let's say you are like a borderline all star, you know, thirty plus year old guy, and you get traded to the three and thirty five Pistons. How are you gonna feel about that? <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed. I mean, that's exactly. terrible. Like, you're not gonna want to play, you know, um, motivational basketball at that point. You'd rather be playing on a team that has a chance at winning a ring or at least making the playoffs or something. So. Yeah, this this Piston season has been a mess, but it, it's been such a mess that it's been entertaining. So that's all I'm really, you know, that, that's been the plus out of it. Yeah, right. Like at least we're talking about them. At least they're getting in the news. When they do win, everyone celebrates like they won something big, but they actually just won a game. Uh, and maybe that's big for them. So you know, no no shade there. And I think one last thing about them, which I think I could be wrong now. I, I haven't checked the standings uh, in a couple of weeks here, but aren't like the wizards also like really bad and no one's talking about them. Uh, they, yeah, they're the wizards are currently six and 31. So three more wins in the Pistons. Yeah. But, only three more wins. Yeah. But you do have a point, but the, I think it's more so because the Pistons had that, you know, 28 game losing streak mm. that just drew so much media attention away from the other teams. Because I, I remember during that streak, the Spurs, who are also six and thirty, were on like a seventeen-game losing streak, and yet they got no buzz just because the Pistons were even worse than they were. So uh, you do have a point, uh, but the Wizards also have like some resemblance of talent on their team, as opposed to the Pistons, where it's just been terrible basketball. Right, the only player I can name is like Cade Cunningham. So yeah. Yeah, so, all right, Pistons not looking good all season, and it seems they're going to stay that way. But speaking about looking good, NBA MVP, I think this is something where for the last few years, the top names are Giannis, it's Jokic, uh, and Embiid. And I can't think of anyone else. Uh, You know, we mentioned Tatum before, maybe cracking his name into the race. At least he's playing good enough basketball to do so. But I can't really think of anyone else who would be in that conversation, at least that I know of. Is there, you know, someone that I'm missing out on? How does an actual NBA insider uh, like yourself view the current uh, playoff, uh, not playoff, MVP race right now? Yeah, so I actually, I I went on to DraftKings and took their odds about what they currently have at the time of recording this. And amongst the top five in terms of these odds, Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid all are still in this top five. Uh, They've really given no reason to fall out of it yet. They're also playing some pretty dominant basketball. So that era is still, at least that era in terms of, you know, MVPs is still ongoing. Um, If you want specifics, Jokic is currently the odds-on favorite at plus 170. Uh, And then you have Joel Embiid, who is fourth at plus 750. And then Giannis, who is fifth at plus 1,000. Now, the two and three spots, one of the names you probably could guess, one of the other names I think you might have some more trouble guessing. So I'm actually interested. Do you think you could uh, just take a stab at who two and three are right now in the ranking? Two and three. Two and three. Oh, my God. I oh think Luca. Like, Luca. Got, Luca's got to be in that. Luca's okay. three. Uh, plus Luca's three. And so now the two spot is, is left. I feel like I should know this. Should I know this? I, I wouldn't be mad if you didn't know it, but he is a name that has 
become pretty popular, at least this season. In my eyes, I don't know, maybe from your perspective, you might not know. You might not even know who this is, to be honest, but I am just curious to see if you do. Oh, oh, it's got to be, uh, well, nah. Okay, one one name that came to mind was uh, Hal Burton. No, it's not Hal Burton. Nah, so that's, nah, that was oh, good. That, I feel like, but in the terms of, like, becoming more popular, I feel like that wasn't too far. All right, give it to me. Who, who's number two? Shea Gilders Alexander, Mr. Skin. Oh, SGA, SGA. Okay. See, hey, that's hand up. That's on me. I, I didn't give him the respect that he deserves. So, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy because he, I feel like he really made it. He, he was getting better, right? And now it seems like he's now made the leap in MVP conversation. Yeah, no, he certainly has. He is uh, the Thunder, actually, I think, as of the time we're recording this, are tied with the Timberwolves for first in the West. So, mm-hmm. The Thunder themselves have been a tremendous story this NBA season. Uh, a lot of people, at least that I follow on Twitter, were extremely high on them. Me personally, I have to take the L. I thought they were going to be good, but I had them you know, projected more to finish in that like four to six range. But they have just completely blown all expectations out of the water. And SGA is the one leading the charge. He might be the most unguardable perimeter player in the entire NBA. Uh, Super fun player to watch, too, just because it literally is almost impossible to defend him. You have to throw double teams at him, which in turn just makes scoring the ball easier for the rest of everyone that's on the court with him. And, uh, yeah, so he's at plus 270 for the MVP odds currently, at least according to DraftKings. So second to Jokic. Uh, I know a lot of people, again, that I see on Twitter would be picking him to win MVP right now if the season were to end wow. today. So I don't think I'm quite at that point yet, but I could understand people that would choose SGA right now. That's that's surprising. Good for him. I mean, good for the Thunder, too, being that good. And same thing with the Timberwolves. We can get into them uh, more next week. We'll, we'll throw them into the state of the teams, uh, either the Thunder or the Timberwolves. But, I mean, that's I mean that's crazy to think that those two teams are now at the top of their division. Is it, is it not? I feel like that's a kind of a surprise to me, at least. Uh, yeah, Minnesota, at least from my perspective, Minnesota is not as much of a surprise. Um, they were really good at the end of last season, around like the halfway point, they kind of turned it around and were one of the best teams from that point on in the league. So that one didn't shock me as much, but the Thunder definitely being, you know, almost at the top of the entire NBA is something that I think came a lot sooner than people expected. But it's time for the NBA meme mailbox. We, Noah and I, were big meme guys. Uh, we always, he, Noah is actually probably the biggest meme guy that I know. <laughs> he's always got the files. Uh, whenever we're in the group chat with our friends, he's dropping the fire memes and making us laugh. So, I mean, what do you got for us? You know, this is something where, you know, maybe there will be good NBA memes out throughout the week. Maybe there won't. Uh, so right now, what do you got for us? I got one one that I found uh, that I thought that was funny. Maybe not, you know, the, the biggest meme, I guess. Uh, but what do you got? We'll start off with you. What, what meme do you have for us today? Uh, I'll start. So last night um, was just a terrible night for NBA basketball. The primetime games were blowouts. The other games are blowouts. I think the closest game was like a nine-point victory in the Paris game between the Cavs and Nets. So a lot of people on Twitter were throwing around the uh, new uh, <laughs> the new acronym for the NBA is the National Blowout Association. <laughs> uh, that was a fun one that I saw circulating. Yeah, I'd love to be a part of that league. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that's a wild one. All right, so my meme of the week here in the NBA meme mailbox. Um, okay, so Legion Hoops posted something, said Carmelo Anthony believes the Nuggets gave Nikola Jokic uh, the 15 jersey as a petty maneuver to erase Melo's accomplishments. So I saw this, right, and immediately thought that was kind of crazy considering Jokic is literally so much better than Melo, at least – <laughs> on the Nuggets, but also kind of in general, I feel like it's yeah, fair to say yeah. at this point, too. Melo doesn't okay. even sniff an MVP, and Jokic has two of them, so we'll just we'll leave yeah. it. No <laughs> so we'll leave yeah, yeah, hey, man, respect to Melo, but the funny thing about this one was someone uh, quote tweeted it, at Fix Your Life, uh, and he said, <laughs> and I quote, Hey guys, you know the overweight Serbian that we took 41st overall? I think he might become one of the best centers of all time. We should give him that number 15 jersey to make people forget Carmelo made one one conference finals while he was here before forcing a trade to leave. So I think that kind of puts in perspective um, what Melo was saying there and that it was pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, Melo was... I, I you can't see it on the camera, but on, on this all over here, I do have a mellow jersey hanging. I think I, I think Tino's you've seen it. I don't know if you remember it, but you have seen it. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm this coming out as a mellow fan, but he was way out of line for this comment. I understand that he is upset <laughs> about the situation, but you know sometimes you just gotta take a step back and analyze the situation before speaking. So yeah, it's not a good look. I'm a mellow guy. No no reason not to be New York guy, right? Like. But yeah, tough tough look there. All right, you got any more? Or, or, yeah, any so, more memes? Uh, this one was also from the games last night. But uh, huge actress Emma Stone, shout out her work mm. in the Poor Things. That was one of my favorite. Movies. And La La Land. Yeah, yeah and La. La Land. I, I personally wow. haven't seen it yet, but I've heard great things. Whoa, 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 I, I know. whoa! <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge miss for me. I get a huge L. I know. Uh, hey, but I, she, I, will, I need to go on the record on this pod and say La La Land is my favorite movie of all time. I know a lot of people say that, and so I, okay. it's on my watch list. Trust me, it's on there. But uh, I really okay. So could we like? I think I think you have this is this is this is now a huge part in the show. I think you might have to watch La La Land. Maybe not. Maybe we'll get, we you know we won't rush it on you. You know, take your time. But when you do, we then have to break down La La Land on this podcast. We can make it a different segment, you know, on the movie theater with Coco. But uh, I can't believe you've never seen it. I'm, my bad, my bad, my bad. That's just my favorite movie. No, and I, I just, I just say awesome. it's a huge miss on my part. Um, it, it'll be it'll be corrected soon. Uh, but she was at nice. the uh, the Phoenix Suns game when they were playing the Lakers and. Um, she said goodbye to Grayson Allen on the way out when she was exiting the arena. It was a blowout, so you know they were chilling on the bench, and she was leaving with um, the boy Yorgos Lanthimos, great director. Also, shout out his work on Poor Things as well. Um, but she said wave goodbye to Grayson Allen specifically, and Bradley Beal had a uh, pretty funny face after the interaction, basically saying you know, like uh, apologizing to Grayson Allen because he was unfamiliar with his game. But at the same time, I have to say. You know, for someone like Emma Stone, raise your standards. Like, like Grayson Allen, are we, are we, are we serious out here? Yeah, yeah, Emma, Emma, we got Ryan Gosling. You literally had Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I saw a, a, an Emma Stone meme today, actually, on Twitter, where it was in three of her movies. Um, she's left dinner with her current boyfriend in that movie to go and be with Ryan Gosling and the role he was playing. There. So them being La La Land, uh, I don't remember the other two. My bad. 
Emma Stone, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that I mean, she's got to do it. Grayson Allen, Grayson Allen. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather I'd leave a dinner with Grayson Allen for Ryan Gosling too. Yeah, yeah, facts. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for the meme mailbox. I like that. I think that's fun. I think memes are awesome, and I haven't found – I'm a huge NASCAR guy, big NFL fan, just an overall meme fan in general, and, and I'm a consumer of funny topics all the time on Twitter mostly, but also you know across the social media world. But I honestly have to say, as Noah mentioned, uh, when we got into this segment, I think NBA Twitter is – it's got to be peak. It's got to be the best one. They give us the best memes each and every day. It's it's a one, especially the uh, the quote graphics. Those just never miss. Those <laughs> those will forever be amazing. Throw throw up the one. I'll throw. I'll put up put it up where it says, "I'm addicted to it. This is what I love." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there no matter what. All those uh, all the quote graphics. And I feel like NBA started learn. Oh, especially the Adam Adam Silver is like. <laughs> Get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That one's been remixed so many times, too. <laughs> so many times. You can do so many things with them. But, yeah. all right. Now it's time. This is my, honestly, one of my favorite parts of this entire segment of On Court with Coco. It's going to be the player to watch for this week. Before Noah gets into it, this is gonna, I'm just going to – I don't know who he's got. We're going to let him go off and tell us. But I think this is important to note that – He's going to give us someone to watch. If you guys do decide to tune into the NBA or follow along at all, make sure you watch this player that knows about to bless upon us and see if he knows ball enough or, or the player knows ball. If the player balls out all these different things, because I'm interested to see as this is a weekly segment, we go week from week. We're going to sort of monitor how the player and recap it from each week uh, as we move forward. So without further ado, Noah, who is the player to watch in the NBA this week? So I, I have a little surprise. I actually have two players this week to go. Wow. Yeah, the first one, I'll see, I came up with the first one, but then I thought this other guy is really good, but he's not as good as the first guy. So I, I just want to throw it in there for like the real basketball sickos that might be watching this uh, player to watch. So anyway, first player that my original choice is Paulo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic, 21-year-old sophomore player. Has been really good, has flown under the radar uh, since being drafted into this league. For some reason, he just doesn't really get the hype of other young players like uh, Victor Wembanyama or um, a Chet Holmgren, you know, guys like that. Even though he's been having a really, really good second season so far in the NBA, the Orlando Magic, I believe they're 21 and 13 at the time of this recording. So they're winning games. He's playing great basketball. Across his last 10 games, he's averaging 29 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals slash blocks. He's up to 38% from 3 on the season, which is crazy considering he was a sub-30% shooter from 3 his rookie season. He is someone that just continues to get better. It seems like every single game. And the best part, uh, across those last 10 games, Orlando's been 5-5, five and five, which doesn't seem that good. But this is a team that's been dealing with a whole bunch of injuries this season, which across these last couple of games has led to Paulo Bancaro just straight up playing some really fun and entertaining hero basketball, you know, a la LeBron James in 2018. Obviously not as good, but at least in the same style play where he is just doing everything for this team. He's a great player. 
He's fun to watch. He's entertaining. He's going to be one of the super bright stars that's going to be really good in this league for a long time. And it is just my two cents to get more people to watch Paulo Bancaro because he deserves more hype. Now, the second option, again, for the real basketball sickos, uh, Tino mentioned Tyrese Halliburton during the MVP conversation. For those of you who might not be aware, he recently suffered a hamstring strain. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks at the uh, very least. And one player who's going to probably step into his shoes and play his role a bit off the bench for the Pacers is TJ McConnell. And if you don't know TJ McConnell, he is one of the best veteran point guards. I know TJ. I know TJ. Hate to cut you off, but that's my boy. That's my boy. He's a sharpshooter pull up, right? Okay, all right. Back to you, back to you. TJ, TJ. TJ McConnell, he doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he is deadly from the mid-range paint area. Uh, He's been awesome so far this season. In four games without Tyrese Halliburton, the four games that Halliburton has missed, he's averaged 15 points, seven assists, four rebounds, and a steal. And he's just going to be a great plug-and-play guy. He's one of the most interesting and unique players in the league, again, because he really doesn't shoot that many threes. He's so good at getting low, driving to the rim, and creating opportunities for his teammates. He doesn't look like an NBA player, but he is one of the more effective ones in the entire NBA. I actually saw this stat. Uh, If everyone knows who Caitlin Cooper is, she is a great beat writer for the Indiana Pacers, one of the best in the entire league. And she uh, she mentioned a stat on Twitter that uh, in terms of drives per 100 possessions, so basically who has the most drives if you were to give everyone 100 possessions, TJ McConnell actually has the most in the entire league, which is, it might not make sense, but that is a pretty insane stat to think about. More than even guys like Shea Gillis Alexander, whose his entire job is driving to the rim and he's really good at it. So for someone like TJ McConnell to have even more than him, again, super unique, interesting player. He's going to step up. Might get some Andrew Nemhard too, again, for the sickos out there. But TJ McConnell, I think, is the guy to watch. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm excited to watch those players, watch the NBA this week. Thank you, Noah, for coming on for On the Court with Coco and giving us those insights, those analysis and everything in between that is between the lines and, you know, going on on the court as well. So, I mean, thanks for coming on, man. Excited for everything that's yet to come with you on the pod and everything else there, all the memes, all the NBA topics and everything else there. Um, Any last word? Uh, This is a blast. Uh, I I love just talking about basketball, especially with with my boys. So this was a dream come true. I can't wait to be back. Hopefully my my players of the week don't sell me and uh, I don't get fired from this uh, NBA analyst. (laughs) (laughs) So be sure to tune in for daily NBA content by following Noah at Coquino Stoa and at The Split Cut on YouTube. He's got his own NBA show and NBA content he's putting out daily for you guys. So if you don't want the weekly fix and you want to get in more and more, and that's what the show is all about, is what the segment's all about with Noah, for, to give you guys a little insight uh, for the NBA and why it's so great and why he does such a great job covering it for himself, for you guys, and for us here at the Tino Patino Here podcast. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the first segment of On Court with Coco. I know I definitely did. It was a great time recording that with Noah, and I'm excited to build on that in future episodes. Now, at this point, this would typically be the NASCAR segment, but with how packed out this first show is, I'm excited to say that next episode, you can tune in there 
for the first official NASCAR segment on Tino Patino here. We're going to be discussing the origins of my NASCAR fandom, what made me become a NASCAR fan in the first place, how long have I been a fan, how many races have I been to, and all that good stuff in between. My racing career, how, what made me go into this motorsports industry, why do I love it so much, and I'll give you guys a little bit more background on that there i have a very special topic that i'm really excited to get into with you guys and i feel like you'll definitely enjoy watching and listening to me break it down for you there so tune into the next episode of tino patino here to hear all about the nascar world as we start off that very special segment and series for you guys there now Coming up in this very next segment is going to be something very special. To give you a little bit of a preview, my buddy Mike and I, each year we do an NFL playoff bracket challenge. We both thought it would be a great idea to do it on the pod here this time for all you guys to listen to. We'll break down the games. We'll give you reasoning behind each and every pick, and we'll go throughout the entire 2023-2024 NFL playoffs. And there is a very epic prize or incentive for one of us to win at the end of it all. So I won't spoil it anymore. Let's get right into the 2023-2024 Mike and Tino NFL Playoffs Bracket Challenge. This guy welcoming in my buddy Mike, my brother from another mother, and we're here to do our NFL playoffs 2024 bracket challenge. Mike, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me here, Tino. Um, really looking forward to getting into these brackets. We got plenty of good matchups uh this year. Really looking forward to it. I mean, I know we do this every year, so Exactly. And to give the listeners out there a little bit more context, uh, Mike and I, we we play Madden a lot. We play Madden against each other. And, you know, one thing that we sort of bet on is Madden coins and, and the winner of whoever gets the most picks right in this bracket challenge will win 100K in Madden coins, like I said. So not 100K dollars, Madden coins there, keeping it simple, keeping it fresh. We do this every year. And let's start off here. First round, uh, Mike. Which game do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. Which game do we want to talk about first? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll kick it off in the AFC. Uh, I think there's a plenty good matchups here. It's a close race to the end for all of these teams. Um, but starting up at the top with uh, Cleveland and Houston, um, I think this is a going to be an exciting game to watch. You know, everybody's talking about Joe Flacco being uh, the oldest quarterback in the postseason. Um, you know, it really has been great to see his comeback. Um, this season, you know, with the plenty of injuries that their quarterbacks have dealt with. Um, but the quarterback on the other side, CJ Stroud, man, I was watching, um, you know, last week of the season, the Colts Texans game and CJ Stroud is just on another level. Um, and he's the best you know, Ohio state quarterback ever. I'm, I, that's what I'm thinking there. Oh yeah. No, the, it's fair to say to throw that out there that Ohio state, is that he produced plenty of quarterbacks, but CJ Stroud is uh, at the top of that list. And, you know, this is really a big toss-up um, on my end, but when reviewing both sides of the ball, you know, CJ Stroud, he's a playmaker, um, but that Cleveland defense, defense wins championships. And um, I think Cleveland uh, will be the ones taking this one. It will be a close, close game, but that defense will be able to hold CJ Stroud a little bit more. So I have Cleveland advancing um from that game on yeah no i'm i'm agreeing with you there mike one big joe flacco guy i wasn't to start and that's no hate against joe flacco but when the season 
when he started his season for the Browns, I thought there was no way he was going to be successful because he's literally just coming off the couch and he's as old as he is. Um, and I, I literally just didn't think he would be able to make the type of run that they are on right now. And they're what, 12 and five, 12 and five, 10, 11 to six, 11 to six, either way. Um, I just think to put the Browns in the five spot, they honestly looked better with Flacco than they did with Deshaun Watson. And I think everything that Kevin Stefanski's done there and with Joe Flacco, one thing I don't just agree with you about the Browns defense, right? So Joe Flacco, I don't think a, he's scared because he's literally played with the Baltimore Ravens that had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and all those other stellar defenses that were in the league at that time with those players. So we're talking about legends. We're talking about legends that Flacco yeah. played against Patrick Willis on the 49ers beat him in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree there. Let, that's an easy one. This game up will be the Dolphins versus the Chiefs. Now, if you don't know Mike, we call Miami Mike around here. Mike, what are you thinking about the Dolphins' chances? Playing in cold weather, coming off a tough loss, and playing the Chiefs, which is, you know, another hard thing to do here in the playoffs. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be definitely a tough tough matchup. Um I honestly think it's a pretty even matchup uh from both sides of the ball. Um really was disappointed to see the result of the last week of the season where Dolphins couldn't get that win against the Bills to, you know, claim the AFC East to have, you know, a nice home game in uh, Florida weather. And they'll be traveling to, I guess, what is it, close to negative 22 uh, wind chill degree weather over in Kansas City. So um, definitely, definitely will be a factor, but it factors in for both sides of the ball and um, for both teams. So when it comes to a cold weather game, uh, you really – it's hard to catch. Um, you really got to get back to the basics, to the roots of football, and that's the run game. And uh, when you look at the run game of the Dolphins versus the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm taking the Dolphins any day of the week. So Really? Hey, I mean, I, Pacheco runs hard. Pacheco runs like he is trying to stomp the ground into oblivion. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree, but I guess elaborate on that on that point right there. Yeah, no, I mean, Pacheco, by all means, is a great running back. Um, as you mentioned, he runs with uh, a pure passion uh, with that ball in the sands. He is uh, a hatred the, for the ground. Most fascinating yeah, runners to watch um, just from his legs moving. Um, but you've got a rotation of great running backs, um, all that could be starters in this league uh, over on the Dolphins side um, with Raheem Mostert leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Devon A-Chain, explosive rookie running back. Um, you really can't match his speed. Um, so uh, those two guys will be leading the backfield alongside Jeff Wilson Jr., um, who, you know, from our O-line, the, the Dolphins O-line, they're strong. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement up there that I think when it comes to breaking it down, the run game is going to be huge and the Dolphins will be able to pull this one out um, despite this cold weather. One of my favorite things about these playoff matchups, Mike, is the revenge games. I, I'm a big, big revenge game guy. And, uh, okay, Dolphins Chiefs, you know, one big name player is Tyreek Hill, who is going to be going back to Kansas City. The Dolphins did play the Chiefs earlier in the season. I was in Germany. 
simply just doesn't count. <laughs> so now this is fully revenge game uh, mode here for him. And uh, like you said, it's going to be tough to pass. But one thing that I kind of, you know, what's intriguing me about this Dolphins team, not only are the Chiefs not good. Now, obviously, they are still the Chiefs. They're Patrick Mahomes. He can do whatever it takes. But when Ka Travis Kelsey is getting double teamed and simply has not been a factor since he started dating Taylor Swift. But more, more importantly, it's not just that. It's really the fact that they have no outside weapons other than Travis Kelsey. So if he's getting double teamed and the receivers can't catch the balls, Patrick Mahomes really can't do anything besides hand it off to Pacheco. And other teams have been able to adjust to that. My point is here, who can run the fastest and stay the warmest? Well, that's simply Cheetah. So I agree with you there. I honestly think the Dolphins take this one over the Chiefs. Despite the cold weather, it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be low scoring. And hey, another revenge game instance here. Justin Houston, huh? Right now he's on the yep. Dolphins. What do you think about that? As I uh, talk about that a little bit as a Dolphins fan, as I now move the Dolphins, who are the sixth seed next to the Ravens in our brackets. Yep. Yeah, it'll be um, another revenge game matchup for the Dolphins going against the Ravens that second round. So I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing their revenge tour in the playoffs. I mean, that's simply even when you have midseason revenge games, I think that's still something special. But to have as many as we do in the playoffs, we'll get to some of them, some others in a second here. But let's continue on. All AFC to start. So we're going to finish it off with the Steelers at the Bills. That's going to be a tough game, I feel like, for the Steelers. I haven't seen uh, much out of them. They did get a sort of resurgence when Mason Rudolph, uh, you know, took over the helm there. I think they're supposed to be getting a, a big snowstorm up there. I saw they were recruiting some fans to help shovel the snow. So that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's when you know it's going to be a, a big snowstorm. Uh, I saw that too. That's so they're so they're recruiting fans to shovel the snow. You have to show up at 10 p.m. Have it to be 18 uh, years or older, and they're they'll pay you for it. But I mean, a lot of the comments on it, I see me personally, I would go. I think that's an awesome experience. One, I like snow and I just feel like that'd be a cool thing to say you've got to do. But a lot of people are like, you don't even get a ticket or a jersey out of it. I, I got to agree there. I feel like, you know, whatever they're paying, I believe it was like 20 bucks an hour. Uh, you got to throw in a little bit of bill swag now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I think um, at least paying them is a start, but. Um, you know, they'll be there. They'll be inside the stadium, probably help shoveling the snow too. So um, they'll be around the atmosphere. Um, you know, hopefully maybe the, the Bills can help them out, get them some swag um, after. But, I mean, it'll be a huge help um, when it comes to the Bills, you know, seeing their fans really uh, rally around the team. Um, you know, they, they travel well. Um, they're a huge help um, in the Buffalo win against the Dolphins the last week of the season, which helped them clinch this home game. So, you know, seeing that all come together, seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Bills, um, I haven't seen as your TJ Watt went down last week too. That's yeah. not huge. I mean, Tej, Tej is a great player, great guy. But TJ Watt being out for that game, uh, tough blow for the Steelers. He's the leader of that defense. They have great guys that can step up, but – he's really the leader of the Steelers defense and all those pieces go well around TJ, right? Like if he's getting double teamed or whatever, then you have Highsmith coming in. Well, now I feel like you take away the leader of that defense. You take away the Steelers chance to win. I'm going bills. What about you, Mike? Yeah, no, definitely the bills in this one. Um, no question about it. No question. It's the bills. 
Fair enough. Next game, it is a good one. Packers, Cowboys. If you guys didn't know, I'm actually part owner of the Green Bay Packers. We can get into that another time. You know, the inexperience of this young, I think it's the youngest team in the NFL of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, as much as they, uh, you know, you might be a part owner and sorry for uh, not seeing them win, but I can't see them do it, doing it this weekend against the Cowboys. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Being a part owner of the Packers, it's definitely something that I value. It's special to me. Long time fan. I am myself a three time Super Bowl champion of the Green Bay Packers in uh, my little league here <laughs> where we live. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for them. Um, I really felt confident going into it because it is a Packers Cowboys matchup. We own the Cowboys at this point, especially in the playoffs. Des never caught it and all that good stuff of Aaron Rodgers. Um, and it's Jordan Love's time. He's the Literally named today, the at the time of this recording, the breakout player of the year uh, for PFF. You know, I mean, you know, a, a small, a small notable, uh, you know, accomplishment there, and and some at least he's getting now the love that Jordan Love. I feel like he deserves. He's been playing great. They Packers are nine and eight, and I said it at the beginning of this year that they are the best non-playoff team, and they went ahead and made the playoffs. The Packers were in the same situation last year. All they had to do was beat the Lions, and they couldn't do it. And this year, I was. So scared that they would lose to the Bears uh, because they let me down so many times, especially last year before they had the chance to make the playoffs there and ultimately didn't do so. I was fully on the Packers going to win this one until I get a report today that Jerry Alexander, our our best corner, uh, is now and one of the best corners in the game. Um, yeah. He yeah. rolled his ankle in practice and is, I believe, he's going to play, but he's definitely going to be uh, hurt <laughs> during the game. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good sign. He's able to lock down the best wide receiver in the game. And Jay Jett is Justin Jefferson there. And I think he would be able to do the same thing to CD lamb. But even if that were to happen, uh, I feel like the Cowboys would still be able to find a way to win. It is a different Cowboys team with Michael Parsons yeah. and bland, bland on the defense. Ever, Big yeah. six is so it's going to be a close one. I hope, uh, but I got to go with my uh, head over heart here and I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. If I, I would love to be wrong, by the way, I would love to be wrong about this one. And I feel like, you know, since I am part owner, I should just be going Packers, but I know who, what my team's going to do out there. And I know, you know, the type of guys we're going to bring. I'm happy just being in the playoffs. I got to say that I'm happy just being in the playoffs. <laughs> so I'll take that for what it is. We'll both move Cowboys and, at yeah. the end of the day here, this is for 100K Madden coins, so I really you know, have to be selective with my picks. I can't just mm -hmm. vote Packers because let's say I vote Packers and the Cowboys go all the way, right? Then I lost out on a bunch of right picks here. So, yeah. all right, next up we got, oh, 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 my favorite game all weekend. It is going to be Rams and Lions. Now, we talked about revenge games a little bit earlier. Tyreek going back to Kansas City. Um, you know, the potential for if something were to happen, let's say the Browns face the Ravens in the next round, if that is a potential. Now, obviously, we don't think so. But all these different aspects right now, Bucks playing the Eagles, they played each other earlier this year. Maybe a revenge game there. And this is the biggest one, I think. Oh, also Packers, Cowboys, storyline. Mike McCarthy playing his old team. That's another revenge yeah. aspect. But the biggest one. 
that we will see in the playoffs is going to be Jared Goff playing against Matt Stafford. Literally, a, what is basically a trade between the two teams, which was a trade between the two teams. They yeah. didn't want him in the in L.A. anymore. He gets booted out. They win a Super Bowl, right? And then mm-hmm. now the Lions are in the playoffs. Matt Stafford's playing his old team. And that's all I'm hearing, Mike. Mike, all I'm hearing is Matt Stafford going back to Detroit. Matt Stafford going back, which is fair. Yep. He's their longtime quarterback. But I think because of that factor, it's going to be even more motivation for Jared Goff to go out and get the revenge game win. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, all the storylines, all the narratives are pointing towards Stafford, you know, returning home. But, you know, there's a certain – a certain sense of emotion that you play with um, when it comes to revenge, you know, for Jared Goff, he was cast away to the lions in the trade. So, uh, you know, I think that'll fare well for him, but the Rams will take this one. Oh wow, you're going Rams. Okay. See, see one thing about Mike, he's always been a Jared Goff hater. And I am so excited to get a point here because I, Jared, see, that's, that's the thing. I'm, hey, I love Matt Stafford. He's a, you know, a great guy. You know, I, I am very impressed with what the, the Rams have able, been able to do. Puka, Cooper Cup. I think Rams have the edge offensively, I will say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I this the Jared Goff storyline is going to go crazy after he throws for four touchdowns in this one. So mark it down. You heard it here first. Um, all right, so Mike thinks Rams, so they are the sixth seed. Uh, yeah, they would play, playing, yeah, 49ers. The 49ers there. Wow, that's a good matchup. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm gonna see the Lions play the Cowboys. Okay, so this is our first real uh difference of opinion in, in the bracket mm-hmm. here. All right, yeah. next one up Eagles and the Bucks. I referenced it earlier. The Eagles beat the Bucks earlier this season. Um didn't look like it was close at all. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, that the group that they are in, which you know I will give them props for making the playoffs, but it was still a terrible division that they were in. Um, good to see Baker, you know, with that team and, and working well. I will say, and being able to sort of make a career resurgence for him, it looks like he's found a home. But ultimately, uh, they're playing against the Eagles, who are a tough team. That, but it's actually funny because they are also on a downward spiral. The Eagles mm-hmm. and, and and the one thing that was crazy to me was today seeing AJ Brown not be at practice for the Eagles and also delete all of the Eagles uh, stuff from his social media accounts. Anything yeah. relating Eagles is gone now, and that is a bad look, especially when you're about to play in a playoff game. Now maybe he's mm-hmm. going, you know, LeBron James zero dark thirty mode. Uh, I don't think so. I think he's being a uh, drama queen sort of thing with the Eagles wide receivers, what they yeah. do there. I don't think he's happy. And he's also hurt. He got hurt in the last game of the season as well as uh, Jalen Hurts did. So right now I'm thinking bucks in this one. Mike, what do you think? Yeah. For this matchup, um, it's really, it's all going to come down to how the Eagles play. They are the better team. Um, when you look at the rosters, you look at the, you know, the, the guys on the paper, but, um, you know, they just not have been able to put it together this entire season. Um, you know, they started off strong, um, but then, you know, once the halfway point of the season came, they just fell apart. A um, whole lot of turmoil um, in that organization. You know, people calling for Nick Sirianni to be fired. Um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> a lot of, you know, even coming off of them going to the Super Bowl last year. So 
it's honestly a big surprise. Um, but when I look at the matchups, I think, you know, Eagles will really lock in uh, for this playoff run. And I think they'll be able to definitely get it done against the Buccaneers um, in this one. Wow. Okay. So Mike's going Eagles and Cowboys would then be the next round. That's going to be a good one. I'm going Bucks. I, I just like you mentioned, the Eagles started off strong, but they didn't finish strong. And I think that's going to come back to bite them. We'll start off with the AFC and then go AFC, NFC, AFC, NFC again. And Mike starting off Dolphins, Ravens there. What do you think? I mean, I know what Lamar did to the Dolphins at home last time they played. Could this be a revenge game for Miami? Looking at this matchup, um, as much as it is a revenge game for these Dolphins uh, going against the Ravens, I think truly in a in regards to uh, the best team in football, it is the Baltimore Ravens and Really, what I've seen them do this entire season, Lamar Jackson uh, truly should be the MVP uh, this year. And when you get a team that really picks it up towards the end of the season, um, carry that momentum, you know, coming into a, a bye week, uh, clinching that first seed, they'll be well-rested. They'll be well, uh, you know, organized and ready for the first playoff game. Unfortunately, it'll be against the Dolphins. and. Unfortunately, the Ravens will get this one um, and move on to the championship round. Tough one. Hey, hey, you know, props to you. Respect for uh, for saying that there, you know, and I think you're right. I think I think you said it. Um, you could have said it any better, really. I think that the Ravens are the best team in football right now. They statistically are in terms of the record and everything like that. Lamar Jackson should win the MVP, and I don't think the MVP will go out and lose the first playoff game. So we agree there. Ravens moving on to the championship round. Okay. Ravens. <clears throat> All right, next up, then we'll stick with the AFC Browns versus the Bills. I love this matchup. I think this one's going to be uh, a dogfight. It's going to be in the trenches. It's going to be a hard-hitting, real football game. Um, and I think it's going to be a good one. I, I Honestly, I think it's going to be hard-hitting. I think it's going to be one in the trenches, but I think it's going to be about the offenses, which one can step up, right? Like Joe Flacco has the weapons with Amari Cooper, Najoku, uh, unfortunately no Nick Chubb anymore, obviously, but it hasn't seemed to hurt the Browns because they've just spread it out through the air by someone like Joe Flacco who has been able to put on absolute dimes. And to me, the Bills have put together a great run too. The Bills have been able to Turned their season around. They fired their OC, right? And then now been able to make the playoffs, which they were 6-6 six at six at one point, won the division uh, there against the Dolphins towards the end of the season. But I am all for the Browns-Ravens storyline. So because of that, I'm going Browns in this one. Oh, yeah. I, um, I'm i going to have to disagree with you there. Um, I think Joe Flacco's uh, run will come to an end uh, with this one. I think when you look at the Bills team, um, another game at home in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it'll be, as you said, a very tough matchup. It's a very even uh, matchup between these two teams. Um, Browns easily have um, the better defense, if not the best defense uh, in football. And um, Josh Allen, though, 
he knows how to manage the game. Uh, he knows how to, you know, attack a defense with his arm and his legs. I've seen it many, many times uh, when he goes up against the Dolphins. So with that and with his ability, uh, both of those abilities on the run and pass game, I think he'll be able to get a win for his team uh, in the Buffalo Bills. So I have them advancing after this win against the Browns. All right, so now since this is where uh, our opinions first differed, Mike has a different bracket than I do, so I'll let him take over and talk about his matchups. He's got Rams versus 49ers in the divisional and Eagles-Cowboys. Mike, pick whichever one you want to start with and give us who you think's advancing to the NFC Championship game. You look at these two matchups. Um, we have the Rams versus the 49ers and the Eagles versus the Cowboys. Um, I'll start off with the Rams and the 49ers, I think. You look at the 49ers with their explosive offense and their very, very strong defense. Um, they're the top seed in the NFC for a reason. Um, you know, going against the Rams for the third time, it would be uh, this season in the playoffs. I think you can't really stop Brock Purdy, McCaffrey, Ayuk, and their weapons uh, really all around the board. Um, Rams. Defense is not what it used to be. They still have Aaron Donald. You know, it's, you know, that, that pass rush, a strong defensive backfield, but no, I can't see anybody stopping this San Francisco 49er team. So I'll have them advancing against the Rams um, in this one. Moving on to the Eagles Cowboys matchup here, another divisional matchup um, in, from the NFC East. And this is where we've seen, I think, this season we had the Eagles win one and the Cowboys win one or yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so it's pretty even. Um, and you know, whoever's win this one uh, will be crowned the, the winner um, and obviously moved on to the NFC championship round. And I look at the Cowboys team. This is the best Cowboys team I've seen. Um, you know, they've really been able to come together. Dak is playing at his highest level um, that I've seen him play. And, um, with their high-powered offense, and as we were talking about before, with their defense with Micah Parsons and their defensive backfield, despite the injuries to Diggs and their secondary, I think the Cowboys are going to be pulling this one out uh, for a great championship round of the 49ers and Cowboys. But, hey, Tina, I'm curious to, to see how your bracket plays out um, down here. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So I got a difference of opinion with you in the NFC. I got the Lions versus the Cowboys and the Bucks versus the 49ers in the divisional round. I did like what you had, the divisional matchups in the divisional round. I think that's going to be great TV if it does happen. But for my sake, I'm hoping it doesn't. We'll start off with the Bucks and the 49ers. Easy one. 49ers win by 50. That, that's all I have to say there. Um, Bucks. Maybe they won't even beat the Eagles like we're talking about. That one could be close. But I think with injuries that the Eagles have right now and just their downfall, it's going to be a bad look. Sirianni's going to get fired. Um, and then Bucks just win it and 49ers win. I literally think if that is the matchup, Bucks 49ers, 49ers will win by 50 points there. Now, what is going to be a close one is Lions-Cowboys because this was a game that was played during the season and the Cowboys won by one point. There was controversy in that one. The refs maybe gave that game to the Cowboys. There was a, you know, a two-point conversion that was hap uh, there was a two-point conversion that happened there at the end, um, and all that that <laughs> there was a two-point conversion that happened there at the end, which led the Cowboys to get the victory there. I think it's going to be a, a close battle here. 
I honestly am going to go with the Lions in this one. I think the Cowboys are probably the best team that they've had in the last few years, right? They're always the team that can't get it done and, and, and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. And I don't think they do it in this one. I think this is the best shot that they have to do so. But I'm going to go with the Lions in this one. I think they get out coached, And I think with them, with the Lions losing that game in the season, I think that's going to come back to haunt the Cowboys in this one. I guess jumping back into my bracket here, um, we're now on to the championship rounds of this playoff. And you look at these, um, they're both the one, two seeds of the divisions. Um, they're the one and two seeds for a reason. And they'll be facing off. We'll start off in the AFC with the Ravens and the Bills. And I have in this one, um, as I said before, I really don't see anybody stopping Lamar Jackson and their high-powered offense. Their defense is among the top. Uh, their inside linebackers, Patrick Queen and Rokon Smith, are really holding down the fort, you know, similar to how we saw, um, you know, Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs back in their Super Bowl run days. So, um, you know, I'm getting familiar flashbacks to that team. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson just adds a whole – different dynamic, a unique dynamic to this football team that nobody else can really defend or replicate. Um, so it's going to be a tough matchup going against the Bills here. But to advance to Super Bowl 58, I have here the Ravens over the Bills. And going over to the NFC here, we have another great matchup. Uh, the one and two seeds going with the 49ers and the Cowboys here. Um, a great historical matchup of these two teams, um, even in the playoffs, um, you know, dates back to really the start of the NFL. Um, and you look at these two teams, very, very highly skilled um, on both sides of the ball. But this season, this year, the top teams are the top teams for a reason. And with this 49ers matchup against the Cowboys, I can't see how, you know, pending, uh, hopefully we don't have any flashbacks to last year's playoffs with any injuries to Purdy or, um, you know, mistakes there. But if this team can stay healthy or really all these teams in the playoffs can, um, I don't see why the top teams in each division or conference can make the Super Bowl. So with that, 49ers are advancing to face off the Ravens in Super Bowl 58. Wow. Now, one thing I'll say about that, Mike, is 49ers have played the Cowboys in the playoffs for, what, the last two or three years now? And the 49ers have had the Cowboys number in each of those matchups. I remember saying last year that the Cowboys were going to beat the 49ers because of that fact, right? We talked about revenge games and all that. And I'm a big believer in how it's so hard to beat the same team twice and everything like that. So, that would mean the 49ers beat the Cowboys in the playoffs for at least three years in a row. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I'm confident with them. I think, uh, you know, another Super Bowl rematch of the 49ers and Ravens, even, you know, they had played there this season. Um, I think it'll bode well for both teams. Um, and I'm very excited to see this matchup come to fruition if it does. Now it's time to finish out my championship round of my bracket here. You got Ravens versus the Browns and 49ers versus the Lions. 
for this one, I think a lot of people, you know, much like Mike himself, were thinking Ravens beat the Browns. And with Joe Flacco revenge game, you know, maybe it's a Lynn Sanity run or something like that, or a Josh Dobbs special like we've seen this season where there's flashes of greatness. No, I think this goes all the way. I think Lamar does not get to the Super Bowl despite, you know, the great season that he's having, the MVP run. I think Joe Flacco goes to the Super Bowl with the Browns. I think the storyline is there. I think it's going to be something super special. I think they have the defense to get it done. And, I mean, just aside from a gut feeling and something that I want to see happen, that's why I'm going Browns in this one. Yeah, damn. All right. Browns. Browns are super Browns going to be crazy. happy worldwide, yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and now for the AFC – and now for the NFC 49ers, Lions in this one. I think this one could be close. Um, Lions, Lions-Brown matchup would be wild to see in the Super Bowl in 2024. something that people probably did not expect, uh, but I just can't see it. When I just looking at these two teams right here on paper, I think the 49ers just outmatched the Lions in every aspect. And the Lions are a great team. They put together a great season, but having well-rested McCaffrey, Purdy, uh, Kittle, Ayuk with – and, you know, maybe people are saying Purdy hasn't been able to do all that much, but he does enough. And I think just like Flacco, that's all you need to get to the Super Bowl. So I'm going Brock Purdy and the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl against the Browns. All right, Mike, now it's time for you to give us your Super Bowl champion. But before you do that, I got to I got to ask, did you go 49ers Ravens because that is this year's colors of the Super Bowl? Did you did you do it with the with the little uh, conspiracy theory there? Was did that I, factor into your thinking? <laughs> you know what? I I had saw that report that that news, um, but I didn't factor that in when I was making this playoff bracket. But now it's all you know matched up here. Um, you know, I'll I'll believe this conspiracy theory because uh, you know I was going with my gut here. Um, but you know when you look at these two teams um, and how it has panned out for the matchups in years past, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say I'm a believer at this point. Um, and with the 49ers taking on the Ravens, um, a high-powered matchup between the top seeds um, in their respected conferences, a Super Bowl rematch from years past. And, you know, you look at these two teams, Ravens, Lamar, MVP run, Purdy and his high-powered offense with his weapons of McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, plenty to go around. Um, I think the Ravens' defense has been great all season, along with their 49er defense. I think these teams match up very, very well. Um, you know, we saw them match up earlier in the season where the Ravens took it away. Um, Purdy just, you know, had a uh, embarrassing performance with – picks, I think multiple picks throughout throwing the game and he just threw that game away. So I think if he minimizes these uh, interceptions and mistakes and really relies on his weapons to help him out here, I think they'll be able to compete against the Ravens. But I do see Lamar's MVP run and Lamar getting his first Super Bowl here this year going against the 49ers. So I have Ravens winning the Super Bowl 58 uh, this year of 2024. Wow, Ravens winning it all. So the Ravens get the Lombardi there for Mike. Okay, I respect it. Ravens, Lamar, MVP run, and Super Bowl 58. 
I do not see the same thing happening, mostly because the Ravens are not in the Super Bowl for me this year. So this one's going to come down to who uh, outperforms in this one, who's going to have the better overall offense, who's going to have the better overall game plan. I think Kevin Stefanski could be coach of the year with what he's been able to do with all the different quarterbacks that the Browns have had this season, leading them all the way up to a long playoff run into the Super Bowl. But Kyle Shanahan has been so close so many times to getting one. I think with how poor the Chiefs have been this season, and if the Ravens are not in this Super Bowl matchup and are not a factor for them to face because they got blown out against them earlier in the season, if they don't end up getting to the Super Bowl, but even if they do, I still like the 49ers over everyone in this one. I think this is their year. They have the best team, like you mentioned, Mike. I think with how the playoff seedings are working, at least in my bracket, and I, you know, I think you could agree with yours as well, with the 49ers having rest. It's going to be huge for them in this in, with this bye week. And then going off facing lesser teams like the Rams or the Bucks, And then ultimately uh, the NFC Championship, I think. I think when they get there, they're going to make it um, known that they're coming to play and they're going to win <laughs> and they could win it all. So with 49ers, Browns, I got to go. 49ers winning it all in this one. So Mike thinks the Ravens will win the Super Bowl. But I'm going with the 49ers in this one. So my Super Bowl pick is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. And how we're going to play this um, with, you know, to see who wins our 100K in Madden coins. It's going to be, I think, uh, each game that's picked correctly is one point. So, if, for instance, if Mike and I both think the Browns are going to win, that's one point for each of us. Obviously, then the loser would get zero points. But when you make it to the Super Bowl, I think that's the big enough game to where it should be worth two points. And then we'll see how it plays out by uh, week by week. And at the end, we'll see who wins the 100K. Yeah, no, this is really a, a fun time. I appreciate you having me on. I'm really looking forward to the playoffs this year. I think a lot of great matchups, a lot of great storylines um, throughout the entire run um with all these teams included so it was a very tight race up until the end of the season so it's going to be a very competitive uh playoffs this year and you know i'm really looking forward to uh watching and see how it all pans out all right guys so there you have it that is our 2023 2024 nfl playoff bracket challenge by mike and tina mike thanks for coming on we'll be sure to keep you guys updated each week stay tuned to social media at tino patino where i'll be you know giving you guys update to how our playoff bracket is going and see who wins the 100k in men coins at the end thanks again for coming on mike appreciate it as always you know looking forward to uh seeing these playoffs well, that'll do it for episode one of Tino Patino here. I'd like to take some time now to thank a few people as I wouldn't be here without them today. First off, my dad, he's been a huge motivator for me and making sure I'm the best version of myself each and every day. And he's been a big supporter of the pod. So dad, I hope you enjoyed this one. Mom, sister, of course, all my family out there. I got a beautiful girlfriend, great friends, a huge support system around me, and I couldn't be more grateful for them. Mentors, community, whether it's the NASCAR community or just followers on social media, you all mean the world to me. And I couldn't be here without all of you. And I hope to build and grow a community of our own for the Tino Patino Here podcast. I know it's going to be a long journey, but I cannot wait to see how far we go. And that's really what it's all about. The amount of lives I can inspire or change for the better is my definition of success. And I hope that can motivate you to accomplish your goals. Go out there, get it done, do whatever it is that you want to do and be great at it. 
Speaking of motivation, one thing I'm going to do at the end of each episode is hopefully provide you guys with some of that to hype you up until the next show. Whether that's a quote, story, or phrase, that's how we'll be ending off each and every episode. But we can't do this without my hat of wisdom. For you audio listeners out there, yes, I made that sound effect with my voice. And now I'm currently wearing a gold fedora. So let's get right into it. I got a quote for you guys. And it is, whatever makes you uncomfortable is your biggest opportunity for growth. I'm Tino Patino. Thanks for tuning in to the Tino Patino Here podcast. I'll see you guys in the next one. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to stay gold. <laughs>